Hello and welcome to this week's Mooney on Politics podcast. It's been recorded on Wednesday, July the 14th, and just after 7 o'clock in the evening. And as always, it features my most recent broadsheet piece. This one uh, appeared on Monday, July the 12th, and was to do directly with the Dublin Bay, Dublin Bay South by-election, in particular looking to the results and seeing that Fianna Fáil now faces a crisis. Um, the column I offer is essentially an independent review of what I went around, what I think went wrong in the by-election. I also explain why Fianna Fáil seems to have a problem conducting reviews and publishing them. So I'm publishing this one now as a shortcut for the party. So here goes. A few weeks after the February 2020 election, I said that Fianna Fáil's Michal Martin needed to stop and take a hard look at why his party had lost support in seats. I'd said it again several times over the weeks and months that followed. We even offered the independent review that the Australian Labour Party, the ALP, had commissioned into its electoral failure as a template. The Australian Labour Party had a bit of a meltdown election in 2019. You see, I thought it was essential that the party examine why it had done so badly before doing anything precipitative, such as going into government with the very party it had promised just to put out of office. The leadership obviously thought otherwise. It felt that Fianna Fáil's best course of action was to get into office and that its political revival would come from forming a government and a programme of recovery. It seemed to miss the inconvenient truth that this meant giving Fine Gael, its partner in government, effectively a veto over Fianna Fáil's fortunes. By the way, this is one of the main reasons, not the only reason, but one of the main reasons I ended my 40-year-plus membership of Fianna Fáil. I mean, after all, why would I knock myself out trying to rebuild a party when the top Fine Gael brass would have a bigger say in that revival than the Fianna Fáil grassroots members? So, Michal Martin went ahead. He agreed a general election review as part of the package of measures to accompany the membership backing the programme for government. But 12 months on, that, late, that review has yet to be published. The word is that it has been written, that it's been prepared, but that, it's been, that, that the leadership and headquarters are sitting on it. However, this shouldn't really strike as a surprising. Fianna Fáil has a problem, and Michal Martin in particular has a problem publishing documents. After all, the White Paper on Reunification, which he told the Irish Times back in March 27 would be ready, 2017 rather, he told them that it would be ready in a couple of it be ready in a couple of weeks, four years later, and there's still no sign of it. So last November, when the Red Sea Business Post poll had Fianna Fáil support down to 12%, I, I wrote here and posed the question, what is the purpose of now commissioning a report into why you lost 8% support between September 2019 and February 2020, when the latest polls that did that, that is showing that the decline from that September 2019 high could be as high as 18%? Last Thursday's Dublin Bay South results shows a decline from the potential 28% identified in the September 29 Red Sea poll is now even greater. In a measured but very well-considered letter to party colleagues circulated last Saturday, Barry Cowan TD said that the party needs all its TDs and senators gathered into the same room to, and I quote, reflect and discuss and take on board the message sent by voters. He's absolutely right. Fianna Fáil now has a crisis-level problem with both relevance and viability, a problem which its leader of over 10 years seems unwilling to address and which some of his ministers seem blissfully unaware. So let me offer this concise, independent review of what I think went wrong in the by-election. I offer this as an ex-party member who spent four decades in this and in the neighbouring constituencies. Small point of reference. 
When I joined Fianna Fáil first, which was in late 1977, early 1978, Fianna Fáil held two seats out of three in the old Rapmines West constituency, which was the constituency I joined. Rapmines West is about covers about 45 to 50 percent of the area that the now Dublin Bay South now covers. So the notion that people in Dublin two, four, or six and are inherently, or in some way genetically predisposed not to vote for Fianna Fáil is a nonsense. Now there are wider issues, and if anyone wants to talk with them, well, I've written several dozen, several dozen columns here explaining why I think Fianna Fáil is in decline, why I think it has a problem with young people, why it has a problem with newer voters, why I think it has a problem with voters under 35, why it doesn't understand the housing crisis, and why it is getting the message seriously wrong on Northern Ireland. So, but this is, this, the purpose of this interim review is to look at the Dublin Bay South by-election under a number of organisational headings. So the first one is messaging. Now, it's not that Fianna Fáil's by-election messaging was wrong. Quite simply, it had none. All it was saying to voters was, vote for us because you voted for us in the past and hopefully you might do so again in the future. The only thing that was missing was vote for us because your man and dad used to vote for us. Worse still, it was trying to run a twin-track messaging. While its canvassers and volunteers were out extolling the party's record in government, party strategists back in base were telling all within earshot that they hadn't a prayer and it was all the local TD's fault. Not that the messaging was much better from other parties, may I add. Fine Gael's message was vote for us to keep the provos out. Indeed, they were pounding out that message online and on doors right up to the very last hour of the campaign, even just up an hour before voting finished. Not that it mattered. Ten days earlier, an Irish Times poll, which I referred to last week, blew the Fine Gael strategy out of the water. It showed that Havana Batchik was a challenger, not Lynn Boylan. By the way, it's important to note, when, you, when the result came in, that Sinn Féin's vote dropped across large parts of the constituency outside of the canal. And frankly, that's something I didn't see coming. The, Fianna Fáil, the, sorry, the Sinn Féin operation inside the canal was almost military in its execution. It got its vote out in large numbers in, the, in a par with what it would manage during a general election. But when you get outside of the canal, when you get to Rapmines, Terenure, Donnybrook, right across there, that vote was down, and it was down a good bit. And there's a lesson in that. Meanwhile, with just two days to go before polling, Fianna Fáil, which had fought the entire last election, saying that no single buyer should be able to bulk purchase entire developments, allowed itself to be portrayed in the media as helping vulture and cuckoo funds to profiteer with its uh, motion on the 10% stamp duty. But that, that's almost a textbook example of bad messaging. And headquarters and the party leadership cannot blame the sitting TD, the candidate or the local, port, local party organisation for any of that. Next, we turn to campaign strategy. While there was a local strategy on campaign organisation run by the local TD and by the local party organisation, there was no national campaign strategy. Bad enough that there was no Fianna Fáil national response at the outset to Fine Gael's This Is Between Us and Sinn Féin message, but there was no pivot when the Irish Times poll showed that voters were going to Labour's Havana Batchik as the best way to reject the idea of a Sinn Féin, Fine Gael best of enemies. That Irish Times poll put Fianna Fáil at 10%, but the party failed to act. It could see that the momentum was with Havana and that there was a distinct risk that moderate voters, including people who had already told the Irish Times that they were willing to vote for Fianna Fáil, would increasingly see Havana Batchik as the safest way of frustrating both Sinn Féin and Fine Gael. Look back at that poll uh, in the Irish Times. 
it had Fianna Fáil's candidate Deirdre Conroy on 10% and it had the Social Democrats candidate on 8% as far as I remember. On the day, Social Democrats get 2.5% and Fianna Fáil gets just under 5%. There was something happened there. And it was this failure to tackle the Sinn Féin, Fine Gael false narrative at a national level hurt the by-election campaign. By the way, Fianna Fáil needs to find a counter-narrative to this, counter-strategy and a counter-narrative to this, because it, because the best of enemies approach is looks like that's what the two parties are going to stick with, both Fianna Fáil, both Fine Gael and Sinn Féin, for a while more. Social media. Now, I could write paragraphs on the problems with the party's social media strategy, but rather than doing that, I've actually put together a video which is linked to in the blog post and which I'll, I'll include a link to in the the the, the, the the blurb that goes with this which looks at the official Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael Twitter feeds on the eve of a polling now in a four hour period Fine Gael posted as much material as Fianna Fáil had over the previous two and a half days all of Fine Gael's tweets in that four hours were completely focused on the by-election about a third to a half of Fianna Fáil tweets over the previous two and a half days were about the by-election the party has a capable and proficient staff on the payroll who are capable of doing digital media, who are capable of doing this stuff. The problem isn't with having people who know how to operate social media. The, pa- the problem lies with having clear messaging. You cannot have a social media strategy unless you first have a message, and Fianna Fáil still doesn't have one. Now, this brings us to the candidate. And Fianna Fáil's candidate in the by-election, Deirdre Conroy, has come in for a lot of personal criticism, much of which I think is unfair. While Councillor Conroy went into the arena with her eyes open, it is disheartening to hear the suggestion that various elected and appointed party officials were briefing against her, particularly when others weren't prepared to run. Electoral politics has become such a no-holds blood sport that you have to wonder why anyone with any experience in any other walk of life would get into it. Now, I'm not trying to gloss over Deirdre Conroy's less than confident media media performances. She didn't do well on radio and she didn't do well on television. But have no doubt that as a private citizen, Deirdre Conroy has done this country some service. Agree or disagree with her politics today or agree or disagree with the stand she took. We should never forget that Deirdre took a public stance on a difficult issue when it mattered. Back in February 2002, she wrote a deeply personal open letter to the Irish Times recounting the severe complications she was then experiencing at that very time with her pregnancy. She went public, though understandably under a pseudonym, in the hope of changing views and changing the law, calling for terminations in the case of fatal fetal abnormalities to be legalised. Most people, not me, others will tell you that her intervention played a major part in swinging public opinion against the 2002 referendum. She then unsuccessfully took a case to the European Court of Human Rights in 2005 and 2006. And in 2013, in the aftermath of the tragic death of Savita Halepanavar, Deirdre waved her anonymity and again told her personal story to convince people of the need to change the law. The vote Deirdre received on polling day does not reflect the service she has done this country or the contribution she continues to make as a city councillor. She has already contributed more substantively to changing this country in ways that many of those who sniped at her online never will. Responding to the result. One of the great truisms of electoral politics is that you learn more from watching how somebody handles a defeat from how they handle a victory. 
and Micheál Martin's studied avoidance of the by-election count centre was telling. While others, sorry, while the Taoiseach's advisers may have imagined that his responding to the party's worst ever electoral performance remotely from a Cork vaccination centre would help him distance himself from it all. In fact, it did the exact opposite. All it did was draw attention to the fact that he was looking to distance himself from it by staying far away from the count centre. Now, I don't want to be seen to be, un- to be unfair to Michal Martin. To his credit, he spent a lot of time campaigning on the ground. Somebody said to me he was there nine, ten times and that he was personally generous with both time and energy. Indeed, a lot of people have said that very few past leaders of the party were given have given so much time going door to door and meeting voters on the ground. So why allow all that good work to be undone at the very, very end by not going to the count? Because being the leader of a party means being prepared to stand with your folks when the bad news is coming in, just as much as it means being with them when the medals are being handed out. If Micheál Martin thinks that it is sufficient as leader to say, I'm sorry we lost, thank you Deirdre, and now let's move on, then he doesn't grasp the enormity of the problems facing his party. Again, as Barry Cowan says in his letter, it simply cannot be brushed aside, ignored or not examined. What happened in Dublin Bay South, the result is bad for Fianna Fáil. And while everyone accepts that what happens in by-elections is not always indicative of what's going to happen in the next election, When the party goes from 13.5-14% in Dublin Bay South to just under 5%, there is something wrong. In my view, and it will surprise nobody who has ever read anything I've written over the past 18 months, Micheál Martin's time at leader must be drawn quickly to a close. Now, I don't think it's going to happen this month. I don't think it's going to happen next month. And the reason for that is something I wrote about almost a year ago. There will be no move against Micheál Martin as leader until the party can meet face-to-face in one room. And the people who this week thought that they could mount a challenge or mount a motion of confidence, no confidence, through Zoom, didn't understand politics. So I think Micheál Martin will be gone. I think he'll be gone before year's end. He could well be gone before the summer is out. Anyway, this is the end of my report. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you found it informative. I hope you get to enjoy the good weather. Today was a glorious day, and I hope you have a few more of them to come. So in the meantime, hopefully I'll be back to you this day next week, and enjoy the good weather, and keep safe. Bye-bye.